0: Well, hey, I wanna welcome you to CCV. I'm just curious as we wrap up, don't take the bait this weekend, is there anybody else that feels like this series came at a really good time for you? Anybody else feel that way? Um, I wanna tell you very personally, I told you this week one, I feel like this series is as much for me as it is for anybody. I can't remember another year in my life, like 2020, where I've had more things come my way that I could grab hold of and be offended by. I mean, it just seems like they just keep on coming as the year goes, goes by. Uh, I'll give you one really small example. Uh, this past week, I actually got an email from a really sweet woman in our church. I mean, it was really well written. It was really nice. It was a pretty long email. And what she wanted to express to me, and thought she did it in a pretty good way, is she just wanted to say, um... I have a cat, (laughs) I love my cat really, really a lot, and it really hurts when you tell the cat jokes, so would you please, please, please stop telling the cat jokes, and then she kind of ended the email by just saying something like, she said, I just think you need to spend more time with cats so you can understand how amazing of animals they really are, and you know, the email didn't offend me, it was just that last part I got offended by because My whole childhood was lived with cats, all right? My mom, I think, is in this service right now, and I love my mom to death. She's one of the greatest animal lovers I know. And probably growing up, we had about 10 different cats, and we had probably 10 different dogs. We had all sorts of animals. And because we had so many cats and so many dogs, and because I saw the difference, that's why I make so many cat jokes, okay? (laughs) And um, for you cat lovers out there, please hear my heart. Uh, every time I tell a cat joke, it's really meant to be lighthearted and fun. Please hear that. I love you, okay? I may just not love your cat the way you do. <laughs> all right? So, But the, I was just like, I mean, those are the little offenses, right? And we, we deal with little offenses all day long. I mean, you get you know, cut off on the freeway. Someone does something on social media that ticks you off, right? I mean, you get a sleight of hand or someone makes a snarky comment at work. And what do we do with the small offenses? We learned this week one. Small offenses, what are we going to do? We're going to step over them. We're not going to take the bait. Because remember, Jesus used the word scandalon. That's a Greek word to say what an offense is. And a scandalon is literally the bait that when you take the bait, the bait is what triggers the trap to close on you and destroy you. Right, that's literally what an offense is. So we've been learning throughout this series, the one thing I want you to hear is that the moment you take the bait, you hold on to an offense, you immediately put bitterness in your heart. And bitterness will absolutely destroy you, destroy you. In fact, earlier in April of this year, um, I got a letter from someone uh, that's a doctor that attends our church and uh, they actually wrote this to me. They said, Dear Ashley, my wife and I are members of your far west coast CCV in Oregon. Said, What I mean is we watch your services every week online and God has used your messages to really bless us. In your message this morning, this was back in April when we were doing our series called Good Medicine on Pain, he said, You touched on the destructive power of bitterness. And what he said next, it, it stopped me in my tracks and I just wanna I wanna put it on the screen so you can let this sink in. This is a physician, listen. I've been in a physician for four decades and have seen more lives destroyed by bitterness than cancer, addiction, heart disease, diabetes, and contagious diseases combined. And when he said that, it stopped me in my tracks because I thought this is a 40-year physician that would say this, bitterness is the root of so many issues physically in your life. It destroys you. And As a pastor, I would say this. Bitterness is a root of so many of your marital issues, so many issues in your family, so many issues in your career. So many mental health issues are because of bitterness that seeped into your heart. But listen, what, what, is, what is always preceded, what, what is preceded by, from bitterness? Bitterness is always preceded by an offense. So if you don't learn to deal with the offenses in your life, you'll never be able to deal with the bitterness. You'll just walk around like a bitter person all day long. And that's why you can understand why in the book of Ephesians, Paul, who learned from Jesus, right? He knows, he's like learning about Jesus. He he says this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. Get rid of, get rid of all bitterness. Throw it in the trash. Stay away from it. Get away from it because it'll destroy you. And I'm so convicted by that idea because you know week 1 we said what? We said well, well the little offenses like just step over them because you don't want that bitterness in your life. But here's what I want to talk to you about today. And I don't have the trap on the floor anymore. And here's why. What do you do with the offenses that are so big you can't step over them? You can't even go around them because it's like the offense is so big that no matter where you walk, no matter where you go, the offense is there. It's just too big. Let me give you a few examples. What what do you do with the affair? I mean, how do you step over that? What do you do with the betrayal from a friend that you trusted? What do you do with the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the person that raped you and stole your innocence? What do you do with the the offenses that are so big that even if you ask someone to give back what they took from you, they can't do it? How are they supposed to give you back your childhood? How are they supposed to give you back your innocence? How are they supposed to give you back the career? What do you do with the big offenses? And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. Because aren't there some offenses that they're so big, of course you took the bait? Of course you took it. I mean, there's some offenses there. It's almost impossible not to like get offended and live offended. But when you live offended, watch this. Remember, it holds you back. It holds you back from the future God wants for you. God's plans for your future are so big, but they will always be held back when you hold on to the trap, the trap of an offense. So here's the question. How long do you want to stay in the trap? When you grab hold of the trap, who's trapped, the one who offended you or you? Well, that's you. And I want to talk to you today about how you deal with the big ones, the ones you can't really step over. And for a lot of us, that's almost all of us. Something really big has happened to offend you. And the answer on what we do with the really, really big offenses, how to get past them, it's really, really clear in Scripture. I don't want to show you exactly what it is. Watch this. Ephesians chapter three, verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness. And we're thinking like, okay, but how would I do it? In the very next verse, we get the answer. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Forgiving. Forgiveness is the answer for moving beyond the big offenses in your life. I want to talk to you today about forgiveness, and can I, just, uh, uh, can I just say something up front? Can we just admit this? Hearing about forgiveness as the answer to your big offenses is not really compelling, is it? Can we submit that? Anybody else here, like raise your hand if you're like, I love to forgive. Like I want to forgive all the big stuff in my past. No. I mean, who wants that, right? I mean, if I stood up here today and I was like preaching and I said, you know what the key is? You know what the key is? Because here's the big idea for today. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks you from the trap of an offense. And you're thinking like, forgiveness? That's the way to move on? Exactly. You're thinking like, "Uh, oh, if I said this today, you know what? Revenge. Revenge is the key. <laughs> You'd say this. You'd be like, man, I love this church. This is awesome. Like that pastor, I could listen to that guy. I mean, think about it. All the great movies we love are about revenge. Think about it. Godfather, Gladiator, Rambo, Rocky, they're all about revenge. And we love movies about revenge. I mean, even The Notebook's about revenge. Did you know that? You're thinking like, The Notebook's about revenge? No, it's not about revenge at all, okay? I'm just trying to make sure you're paying attention, all right? It's just a sappy romance movie but what we learned week two is that revenge doesn't free you from the trap in fact it just gets you deeper in the trap well okay if it's not revenge you'd even feel better if I said this ignoring is the key if you just ignore it and just like don't think about it you feel better about that but last week I thought Mark did a great job talking about how ignoring that puts you deeper in the trap as well so what is the answer Christ, scripture is crystal clear. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks, releases you from the trap of offense and the bitterness that will destroy your life. And learning how to forgive is more important than you could ever imagine. In fact, Jesus throughout his whole entire ministry on, on earth as we as recorded in the New, New Testament, he talked about forgiveness all the time. In fact, I think he talked about it so much that his disciples are starting to get a little worried. Like, Jesus, are you serious about this whole forgiveness thing? In fact, one day in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is kind of drilling like forgiveness home. And it says one of his disciples came to him and said this. Then Peter came to him and asked him, that's Jesus, Lord, like I know you're talking about forgiveness all the time, but I have a question and it's a good question. How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then he throws out a number. Seven times? Now, please understand the context of what Peter's saying. What happened, what was happening in Jesus' day is that all the rabbis, we know this from history, not the Bible, from history in the Babylonian Talmud, which is a book that records the teachings of the rabbis during Jesus' day. The rabbis said this they said that when you forgive, you only have to forgive three times. After three times, You're not required to forgive anymore. So what's Peter do? Peter throws out double the amount that all the teachers of Jesus' day would say, and he throws a cherry on top. He goes, seven, Jesus. What's Peter doing? He's shining his little like holiness badge, and he's trying to show Jesus, like, Jesus, look how holy I am. Like, I'll forgive up to seven times. I mean, the rabbis say three. Judas over there barely does two. I'll go seven And I think he actually thought Jesus was gonna go, whoa, 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 don't get crazy on me here. And what Jesus says next is not only surprising, it's utterly convicting. Here's what Jesus says. No, Peter, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Many translations say 77 times. Please listen very carefully. What Jesus was telling Peter and what he was telling us was not that there's some upper limit on the number of times you should have to forgive, like 77 or 77 you know, 70 times seven, and then after that you're good. Jesus's point was simply this. You should never keep track of the number of times you have to forgive because there is no limit. And I don't know if you're like me, but that is really hard to comprehend. You're telling me that I'm supposed to forgive with no limit. It's so hard to understand that the very next words out of Jesus' mouth was Jesus told a parable. And understand what a parable is a parable is simply a story that tells a really strong point. And here's a story Jesus told Jesus said, There was once a king. And he had a servant that owed him over $100 million, an amount that the servant had racked up that he could never repay. So the king called in the servant and called him to account, but since he could not pay, the king ordered that not only the servant, but his wife and his kids be thrown into prison so at least they could just be punished and pay off just a little bit. But the servant before this king falls on his knees with tears in his eyes and he begs and pleads. He says, I'll pay it back, which he had no ability to do. It was impossible for him to pay back. But he begged and begged for mercy. And this king, in an act of mercy that was unheard of, not only then but even today, the king looks at this servant and he says, I'm going to wipe out your debt 100% free and clear. You can leave 100% scot-free. What happens next, if you were watching a movie, the soundtrack would change to a really dark tone. Because what it says is the servant walked out of the presence of the king, and on his way back home, he runs into a fellow servant that owed him a few hundred dollars. And when he runs into this servant, it says that he grabs him by the neck and begins to choke him and shake him and say, pay me back what you owe me now. And the servant falls to his knees, the same way he did before the king, and he begs for mercy. But it says this servant would not have mercy on someone that owed him a couple hundred dollars when he had just been forgiven over 100 million. And in a twist of fate, the people that were observing went and told the king what had happened. I wanna read you next Jesus' words as he told the story. Matthew chapter 18 verse 32, then the king called the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And the next verse is maybe one of the most terrifying verses to me in the New Testament. Here's what Jesus said next. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured. And he says this, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If you refuse to forgive, Jesus says in another place, you will not be forgiven. Now every parable that Jesus told, you have to do two things. You have to answer who's God in the parable and who am I? God's in every parable and a picture of us is in every parable too. In this parable, who's God? He's the king. Of course he's the king. Jesus told this parable, he gave a summary of the gospel message, the the, the message of, of all of scripture, the good news, which is God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for you and die for me to pay a debt that we could never pay. All of us have sinned, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, we all fall short of God's glory. All of us, if I look at my life, I have racked up a lifetime of sin. And when I die, when I die, I will stand before God with a debt that I could never pay. I deserve a Christless eternity in hell. God's perfect, only perfect people go to heaven. And yet the answer that God gave us is he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life and die on a cross and rise from the dead three days later so that all of us, without having to earn it, it's a free gift, all of us could be forgiven. I'm forgiven. If you've decided to follow Jesus and be baptized, you're forgiven and it was free. You didn't have to do one thing to earn it. It's the most gracious act of anyone in history to offer that level of forgiveness. Who are we in the story? So many times, we're the unmerciful servant. We rely on the forgiveness of God. And we walk out and we will not forgive others. Why? Why is it so hard to forgive? C.S. Lewis so eloquently, I put it this way, he said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. Why can't we just take Jesus at his word and offer forgiveness to others that have hurt us, even the really big things? I think there's two reasons. I'm gonna tell you the second one at the end of the message, but the first one I wanna spend some time on today is I think we have an incorrect perception of what forgiveness is. And the misperception of forgiveness will hold you back from offering what you should freely offer to those around you who've hurt you. Let me show you five misperceptions what forgiveness is not, is not. If we're sitting down over coffee, (laughs) I hope you just allow God to speak something into your life today through these words, okay? Here's number one. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. When you forgive someone, you are not saying what you did to me is okay. When Jesus forgives you freely, did he say what you did is okay? That spring break you had. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The time you took advantage of someone that was innocent, the time you stole from someone, the time you cheated someone, the time you lied and then you lied again and then you lied again and you got caught in your tracks, the time that you had the affair, you cheated, the time that you looked at pornography again and again and you said you'd never do it again and then you did it again, the time that you abused a substance and you knew it was wrong, the time that you hurt a family member, did God say, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's totally okay? When he forgave you, no, he forgives you, he didn't say it was okay. No, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not saying it's okay, it's saying you don't owe me. When someone offends us, there's a debt-debtor relationship. Just like the, remember in the story, he had a, he had a, a financial obligation. Forgiveness is just saying you don't owe me anymore. It doesn't say what you did was, was right. Don't confuse that at all. Here's the second thing we need to know about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. So many of us are waiting to forgive someone until we feel it. And if you're waiting to forgive someone until you feel it, you'll be waiting until Jesus comes back probably. When Jesus hung on a cross with nails pierced in his hands and his feet with his side and, his, and just his head just bleeding, do you think he felt like forgiving? In the midst of all his pain, he still offered forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. What is it? Forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a decision. And someone needs to hear this. The positive feelings you're waiting for, positive feelings tend to follow forgiveness, not precede it. And all the science proves this now. It's so amazing. John Hopkins University, look it up for yourself, University of Wisconsin's done amazing studies scientifically on people that forgive. From a medical standpoint, here's what they say. People who forgive report using less medicine, they report sleeping better, and they report less physical complications and, more, and less illness. I love it when science catches up to what Jesus has been saying all along happens all the time. It's not a feeling. And oftentimes you act, the act of forgiveness will bring the feelings that you've been wanting the whole time. Here's a third thing. Forgiveness is not forgetting or ignoring. You may never forget what they did to you fully. I think the pain will subside, the bitterness will go away, but but forgetting it, you may never forget it. Forgiveness is not forgetting. And forgiveness is not ignoring. I mean, Mark showed us that last week. It's not ignoring what someone did. What is forgiveness? In many ways, forgiveness is remembering, not the offense. Forgiveness is remembering what Jesus did for you and offering the same to others. That's what forgiveness is. You know who struggles the most with forgiveness? Those who've forgotten how much Jesus forgave you. That's me. That's my struggle, so many times. Here's the fourth thing forgiveness is not the same as trust. So many times people think, well, I can't forgive them. That means I have to trust them now. Wrong. Forgiveness and trust are to- two totally different things. Forgiveness can happen in a moment, trust oftentimes happens over time. So, what do we know? Forgiveness is given, mistrust is earned. You can forgive someone. And they can have to earn your trust over time. And I would tell you very honestly in my life, I've forgiven people that I do not trust today because they've not seen, they've not proved themselves to be trustworthy. They're different. Here's the last thing, and, and this might be the biggest for someone here today. Please hear this. Forgiveness is not dependent on someone saying, I'm sorry. What many of you are waiting on, you're not even waiting on, you're demanding that someone say they're sorry before you forgive them. And you don't have to. It's not required. You can offer forgiveness if someone never says they're sorry. Why? Because you wanna be released from the bitterness and you're holding on to it to hurt them until they say they're sorry and you're the one hurting yourself. Now what do we know? Forgiveness only requires one person while reconciliation requires two people. To reconcile requires two people. But forgiveness only requires you. Did you know that God did not wait for you to say you're sorry before he sent Jesus to offer us forgiveness? Now you you may not be reconciled with God. Those of you that have not accepted Jesus and been baptized, you're not reconciled with God, which means you've not really fully experienced reconciliation, peace with God. But God offers his forgiveness to you free of charge. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you don't wait for someone to say they're sorry. How would we understand what forgiveness is? If those are five things forgiveness is not, and I could go on and on, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness. Listen to this, this is so good. Forgiveness in the Bible is the Greek word, it's a word that means to release, to let it go. And isn't that an appropriate word as we've been talking about how to move past an offense? Because what is an offense? Offense is when you take the bait and now you're trapped and the only way to get out of this trap, the only way to be released from this trap is to offer forgiveness. And we don't want to. But watch this. When you won't forgive, and you hold on to this offense, who's trapped? You. And you're holding on to this offense to show everybody to hurt the other person. The other person's moved on probably. You're the one that's trapped now. Watch this. Many of you here today, The one thing holding back your marriage is that you will not let go of the bitterness of a past offense. And God wants to move your marriage forward and yet you keep being held back because of the bitterness and you won't let go. Some of you are single here today and you want so much to have a great relationship with someone and every date you go on, you know what they see in you? Bitterness. They see bitterness and they run. That's why you can't keep a date. You'd say, no, it's just my personality. It's not your personality. It's the pain you're holding on to from the past. You're bitter. And you'll never move past the bitterness until you let go of the offense. Some of you in a career, man, God wants to take your career so far forward and yet you keep getting pulled back because you're bitter. No one even likes working with you. The big thing here someone needs to hear is that someone here, you have a child or a family member that's begging, begging mom or dad to let go of the bitterness. Because your bitterness doesn't just affect you. It affects them. It affects everyone that's around you. And that's why you've heard this probably saying before, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I think that might be inaccurate. A more accurate saying would say this, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, giving some to everyone you love around you, and then expecting the other person to die. Because when you hold on to the pain of a past offense, you leak bitterness to everyone around you. And that's why if you can't move past the hurt in the past, in the past, you'll bleed on everyone else around you. And you know what you've done? You've tried to release it, You know it's holding you back. You know it's not, so what have you tried? You've tried everything. I mean, you tried all the self-help books. You joined Oprah's book club to help, right? I mean, you went to counseling. You've tried meditation, yoga. You've been trying to fall asleep to the sweet sounds of Kenny G every night, you know? I mean, like, you're using all the sleep aids. Your own willpower will never release you from the trap of an offense The only answer, the only answer to break free to the future God wants for you. What's the answer? What's the Greek word? What's the Greek word? Say it out loud. To release. That's the only way you can move to the future God has for you. And your future is too big for you to hold on to an offense from your past. God's calling for some of you. Your family, your career, your marriage is way too big. And what you're thinking is, the offense is too big. You can release any offense with the power of Jesus. And I want to show you the real life story of someone that had to forgive what seems like the unforgivable. Watch this.
1: I was eight years old. That would be the first time I would be sexually abused by my family member. It went on for 11 years. I trusted this person, and instead, they were the one day after day muting my cries and my pleas to stop. From the time it started, I kept a journal. I would write down what this person did to me and the time of day it happened. When I was in the seventh grade, I gave my journal to a friend and begged her to show her mother, who was a social worker. For the first time in years, rescue was in my reach. In the meeting with child services, the social worker asked, are you being sexually abused? And as everyone in the room stared at me anxiously, I imagined the consequences of my honesty. I couldn't do that to my family. My heart felt heavy as I realized salvation was never coming. No, I said, and that's all I could say. I was alone. No one was coming to my rescue. I thought if there was a God, he'd forgotten about me. I spent more than a decade imprisoned by my hate for this person, but also a deep shame for myself. I was broken. I tried a lot of quick fixes the world sells you. I lost weight. My Instagram was a highlight reel for happiness. I got a dog. I got married, but the moment I became a mother, I knew my happiness and healing wouldn't be found in the world. On January 7th, 2018, I walked into CCV for the first time. I was standing for worship and the song came on. Before I knew it, my hands were raised high to my healer. And in that moment, I had a father who was bigger than my fear and bigger than my pain. God took those chains I had been dragging around and broke them. I was free. I was no longer a captive to my brokenness. My abuse didn't define me. My life was transforming from my deepening relationship with God. 2018 had been a year of restoration and healing, but due to circumstances, I still see the person who violated my body and soul. What once was fear evolved into anger, I wanted justice. I wanted him to know that what he did was wrong. I spent so much time thinking about how I wanted revenge, it began to rob me of any joy. The new year was fast approaching, and like everyone, I was thinking about my resolution. I wanted to be happy. I gave God my fear, and now I just had to give him my heart. Over the course of 52 consecutive Sundays at CCV, God would renew my spirit and transform my soul. Through his word, every series and every opportunity to worship God filled me with his peace. It has now been 11 years since the day I broke free. I've been safe for as long as I wasn't. But I know through it all, there was never a day that I walked it alone. My pain, my fear, my soul are saved because my healer and savior in heaven. Without him, I would never be able to say what I'm about to say. Dad, I forgive you.
0: How do you release... You listen to her story and you think only, she says, only by the power of Jesus was I able to say I forgive you. I just wonder if someone that can release something that big, if whatever you're holding on to, that offense from the past, if God's gonna call you today to finally release it, to finally break free, don't you want that? The only way to break free from a big offense from the the past is the key that forgiveness unlocks. It unlocks you and releases you. It's forgiveness. I wonder who you need to forgive. You might ask, well, what would I do? How would I practically release it? I wanna give you something really practical today. I wanna give you a prayer that some of you need to pray, some of you need to write this down on a piece of paper and write down what someone took from you. And you might need to burn it, you might need to bury it, you might need to have a little bit of a a ceremony that just says, God, I'm releasing this in my life. And here's the prayer I wanna challenge you with. It's God, I've held on to unforgiveness against, and you put a name. I'm asking you to give me the strength, because it's through his strength that you can forgive, to forgive them so I can be free from the trap of offense. My unforgiveness is making me bitter and holding me back from the future you want for me and my family. So today, I choose to forgive the same way you've forgiven me. It's not a feeling. It's not saying what they did is okay. It doesn't mean you trust them. It means that you will be freed from the past so you can now have a future. Can I tell you something what forgiveness is? Forgiveness doesn't change the past. It frees you to finally have a future. And I want that for you. I want it for me. So I'm gonna issue a challenge for all of us here today and the, the first one might surprise you, but I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna say it. The challenge is to receive forgiveness and be baptized. The reason I say that is that one of the reasons that many of you will not be able to forgive is because you've never received God's forgiveness. It's only through his power that you can give forgiveness. And if you've not decided to follow Jesus and be baptized, have the refreshing water of forgiveness of God wash over you, hear me, hear me, you're not gonna be able to give something you've never received. So I'm gonna challenge you today to If you're you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and been baptized, I'm gonna challenge you, that's your first step. Because until you take that step and receive God's forgiveness, you won't be able to give something you've never received. And the number one reason people hold back from being baptized is you feel like you have to earn God's forgiveness. You don't, it's free, remember the parable? It's free. And until you accept that free gift, you'll feel like you have to earn God's approval and then you'll make everyone else earn your forgiveness. Here's challenge number two. I want you to offer forgiveness and be freed. If you've never done this, this is your first step. If you've done this, I'm gonna challenge all of us today. Who is it you need to forgive? Because it will give you freedom. And if you're here today as a follower of Jesus and you're struggling forgiving someone else, my guess is it's because you've forgotten how much you've been forgiven. We need to remember. And one of the ways we remember around here, every single week, it's what God told us to do is we take communion, We take communion, we take a piece of bread and a little cup of juice to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do today. For all of us, before you take communion, answer the question, who do I need to forgive? And make a decision to forgive them. Because listen, when you take the body and blood, the representation of the body and blood of Jesus, you're remembering what Jesus did for you. remember what Jesus said? If you don't forgive others, You're the one that's in prison, tortured. Accept God's forgiveness, and then freely offer what he's freely given you. And I'm gonna pray today that you experience a level of freedom that you've never experienced before when you choose, you choose to forgive. Let's pray together. Father, as we get ready to take communion as a church, we wanna remember what you did for us. And we wanna give freely the same way you've given us. Just like the parable of the unmerciful servant, Father, we don't wanna stand before you and say, God, thank you so much for all the forgiveness you offer me every single day. And then turn around and choke someone who's done something big to us. God, may we offer forgiveness freely as you offered it to us. And I wanna pray specifically for the man or woman here today that has never received your forgiveness. They've never been baptized, they've ever gone all in with you, Jesus. I pray they accept you today so that they can have the power and the peace to offer others what you freely give them. We take communion today remembering you and your sacrifice, your forgiveness. Help us forgive,
1: in Jesus' name, amen.